You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. The Archaeology Podcast Network is sponsored by Codify, a California benefit corporation. Visit Codify at www.codifi.com. Welcome to another episode of the Women in Archaeology podcast. I'm Emily Long, and I'm here with Sarah Head, Chelsea Slotten, and Lourdes Vialta. Today we're going to discuss archaeological field schools, why they're important, where did we go, and our advice for students applying for field schools. Good to be here. <laughs> what is field school all about and why is it important? <laughs> yeah, so I mean field school is important because I mean most most archaeologists um that I know, certainly not all of them, but a lot of them get into archaeology, you know, when they're at college and it's a cool class that they take and maybe it fulfills a gen ed and they take it and then they realize archaeology is awesome and the next thing you know, people are switching majors and it's wonderful. But beyond that, you know, if, if you're in a classroom with 30 people, 60 people, you can talk about theory and you can talk about methodology and how to, how to go about digging. But it's really hard to take a group of 30 people out with one professor and, and get your university on board with you turning, you know, the football stadium into an excavation site. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I know of any university that would say, yeah, please go turn our football stadium into an excavation site. You know, there's um, some obsidian flakes out there on the football field for people to flag. Ouch. Right? It'll be, it'll be fun. We're just, we're just going to, like, dig up the ground and, like, put some pots in it. And then we're going to leave it here for several years. And then we're going to make our students periodically dig up bits of it. It's fine. <laughs> um, I don't see that going over particularly well. But... Field school is where you take all of that, that knowledge that you've learned sitting in a classroom and you have someone or a group of someone's usually teach you how to apply that knowledge in the field, uh, thus field school, because you are going to school in the field. <laughs> and it sounds like there are many different kinds of field schools available to students um, from learning how to survey to doing your very traditional academic excavation. Yeah, and I think that's a good place to start because I think if you are, well, if if you're in archaeology, you will be taking a field school. That's just pretty much all there is to it. If you're planning on making a career out of archaeology, especially CRM archaeology, I think you should spend more time evaluating the field schools available to you because as much fun as digging in Belize may be, it does not prepare you for digging uh, 80 meter holes every 30 meters in the middle of a wooded area in the middle of summer. <laughs> so I think, I think people should maybe do two uh, field schools. I know I did, and I got a lot out of it. I, my first field school was very much focused on teaching me CRM skills that I 
expanded on once I started working. And my second field school was a lot of fun where I got to dig a, uh, Hopewell, uh, a Hopewell burial mound. And I mean, that's a once in a lifetime thing. You're probably not going to dig more than one of those unless you're a professor and that's kind of what you do. Mm-hmm. So I think people, if you're going to, if you want to do the fun field school, I think you should also look around and find the practical field school and do that as well. That's really good advice because, I mean, I found with my field school is a very, very traditional um, academic excavation, and I typically don't use all the skills I learned from that on a survey. And so, yeah, I think it's a fabulous idea. Like, if you are interested in pursuing cultural resource management and being more in the field surveying and doing shovel tests, take those two because I kind of found myself at a loss when I got started in CRM, and I... I wasn't quite up to snuff because my field school didn't really cover that. Yeah. And especially if you're pursuing a master's and your goal after that master's is to be a crew chief or a a crew leader, um, or even to work your way up in a contract archeology span situation or a private company, you're really only doing yourself a favor by getting that practical experience. And the other thing that you can do, like, because there's not a lot of CRM-focused field schools out there. There are some, but not that many. What you can do is look for projects that you can work on with your DOD or uh, Department of Transportation, sorry, in your local state or your local area. A lot of times they'll have, the state archaeologists will have programs or things like that where you can volunteer You'll get the experience you need because you'll be working alongside the the state archaeologist or the forestry archaeologist. So you're going to get that experience. It'll be a much smaller group. You'll get a lot more one-on-one focus. And if you're volunteering, sometimes you don't have to pay for it. So it could actually save you some money while getting you some practical experience. Yeah, and in, in addition to the you know Department of Transportation and those kind of options, which certainly do do exist, the the volunteer or even like avocational style archaeological experiences oftentimes if you're at university and your university has a postgraduate program in archaeology you do end up with archaeologists who are doing work towards their dissertation or summer work that would be really happy to to have a an extra pair of hands Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes they send around emails you know, saying, hey, I'm doing this. If anyone wants to to tag along, that'd be great. Sometimes somebody you meet in the lab and it's more of like a one-on-one offer. But that's another way to to get some more experience with someone who, you know, knows what you're doing and they're doing and you may not necessarily have to have to pay for it. Yeah. That's that's probably pretty much the only barrier I think with field schools is the cost a lot of times can be a little prohibitive. Mm-hmm. They can be ridiculously expensive. And I think that that's a good good segue into individually, where did we all go to field school and how did we pay for them? And uh, Lourdes, if you could get us started. Oh, sure. Um, the very first field school that I went to that was credited was in Spain and Menorca. Beautiful, beautiful. I had so much fun over there, um, surrounded <laughs> by ocean. And that's where I worked. I worked on a cliff right by the ocean. I was digging up Roman uh, Roman grave sites. Mm, and uh, let's see, it was it was pricey. Um, 
But because I had finished my undergrad already, I had to pay it out of pocket. Ooh. And um, I saved for so long. <laughs> and I was teaching music at the time at the local music store. And, you know, you don't get paid a lot if you don't have students that show up. So I think I saved up for maybe about a year before I was feeling like, you know what, I'm going to do this now. I'm not going to wait anymore. And I ended up getting like a mini loan just so that I can go. And this was including the airfare ticket and yeah, the actual site itself. Yeah. So, so digging in paradise. Yeah. But it was completely <laughs> worth it because, you know, again, like you said, you know, you, it, it's a one lifetime opportunity. You know, how often are you going to be doing that and affordably able to do that? And so you feel like it was definitely worth it, not only for the location and how beautiful um, it was, yeah, but sure. knowledge wise too. Yeah, it reiterated my belief that I really wanted to work with um, bones and um, and kinesiology, actually, and put them together, get a master's in it, and just continue with it. So, Because I am absolutely in love with bones. Have you taken any other field school since? Um, let's see. I Before I went to this, uh, yeah, actually, I was um, part of a wildlife kind of, uh, there's a, there was a zoo or a wildlife kind of zoo in, um, in Florida that I went to and I studied more bones over there focusing on animals. So, and, um, I was volunteering and I was teaching as well. So any students that came in like local kids or stuff, you know, whenever they had on field trips or things, I would sit down, have them sit down and they would clean up the bones and stuff. And it was a, it was a nice teaching experience too. So That's cool. yeah, that one was free cause I lived right there. <laughs> that's always nice yes <laughs> Sarah uh, you mentioned you went to two different ones yeah so I, I did a field school on my grad my undergraduate and my graduate so my first graduate the first school I went to was offered through uh, IUPUI and we focused on a historical area called um, oh of course I forget it uh, Ransom Place which, if you know who Madam C.J. Walker is, this was the neighborhood that she started her uh, billion-dollar hair business in. and She's amazing, and I love her so much. She is really cool. And the house that we dug, the yard that we dug for that one, was a man named uh, Dr. Ward. And he actually was where she set up her initial shop in the back of his house while she was staying with them until she got back on her feet. So the beginnings of C.J. Walker were there. And it was a very interesting. It was my first ex uh, exposure to field work of any kind. Uh, it was all historically focused because that was what our, that's what our college did. It did historical archaeology. Um, but he, Dr. Mullins made it, made a point of making sure that we got some exposure to what CRM archaeology will be like, you know, because he's like, this is pretty much what you're going to do. It's like, this is fun. This, this digging and the the examining of these historical structures is fun, but what you're really probably going to be doing is digging these holes, sifting the skirt, and putting everything back where it came from. So he he helped us get through that, and he was right. And then when I went for my graduate uh, degree the first time, I had to take another field school. And I didn't have to take it, but um, the professor that I was working with at the time you know, he had mentioned that they were going to go out to Angel Mounds and they were going to resurvey some work that had been done back in the 70s. And then they were also going to, they had the opportunity to work on the largest mound out there. Um, and I was like, oh man, that sounds so awesome. And since I was in state 
and I was like alum. I got like some crazy discounts. It still cost me, it still cost about $2,000 to do the whole thing. And that includes travel and the room that we had to rent and uh, just tuition in general. That's not too bad. No, it was actually really cheap, which is why I did it. I was like, this is a reasonable price for college. It's really a once in a lifetime chance. Mm -hmm. I will probably never, even if I find a mound doing CRM, my chances of being able to dig it are about nil. So I was like, well, this will be really cool. And I, that was my fun, get out there and do something that you're never going to get to do again, field school. And it was, it was a great time. We had a lot of fun. I loved everybody I worked with. I'm still friends with a couple of the people that I worked with on that one. And it, yeah, I highly recommend doing it, but I also highly recommend doing the practical thing too. Chelsea, what about your field school? Um, so I, and I think I've said this before on the show, but I actually started out in forensics and kind of transferred from forensics into, you know, osteology and, and bio arc. And so my, my first field school experience wasn't actually in a strictly archaeology uh, setting. Uh, it was a... <laughs> Well, my my twin sister fondly refers to as CSI sleepaway camp. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, uh, which is just you know a great name. <laughs> so I've adopted that that terminology. But so so I went and it was a, a month long series of courses that did you know basic osteological analysis and looking at, at what some of the more unusual things that you can can find and. Then looking at mass disasters, and there was also a, an excavation portion where, you know, they'd actually gone out, and um, there was some some wooded area near the campus that I guess was technically part of campus, but wasn't being used, and they, you know, dug up, um, dug graves and put a bunch of plastic skeletons in the ground that um, we had to, you know, excavate. And they, I mean, the excavation skills taught there are very, very similar to, you know, the excavation skills that you're using in, in archaeology. So that was, that was useful. And then when we did the, the mass disaster, um, portion, there was a, a like post mass disaster survey and, you know, how to identify pieces of, you know, car building or whatever that's been blown up and melted and everything. So kind of archaeology, archaeology adjacent, um, and then from that, I actually went the the somewhat non-traditional route uh, of kind of tagging along on on projects and volunteering. Um, that is actually the only official field school that I've that I've ever been on, but helped out with you know other people's projects and and tagged along to sites and and volunteered some places and you know just kind of picked up what I could. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just kept building experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's and it's worked out well. I mean, I I am primarily a lab based uh, individual, as as I think you all know. Um, but I spent two months in the field this summer, and you know, <laughs> did just fine, and had the the skills required to to participate and to help figure out what was going on. So you know, and and part of that for me was kind of a financial thing. I don't the the field school I took. I was an undergrad and. I think that there was some sort of discount for currently enrolled students and I got credit at it through my university. 
I think my university paid for part of it, but I'm going to be like completely honest. I don't really remember how I paid for it. <laughs> Must have not been too bad then. <laughs> right, exactly. It couldn't have been this terribly stressful thing. If, um, or maybe it was uh, so stressful you just wiped it from your memory. Right? Well, it's one or the other. I'm, I'm going to go with probably not that that stressful. I don't, I don't remember it being either that expensive or something that was that was necessarily a, a huge problem for me. But I also my dad is a a Vietnam veteran and I had some like VA education benefits that I may have applied to and gotten them to cover some I I don't know. I know they paid for some of my university um through those benefits. So I feel like that's that's probably the most likely thing that happened. That's great. I mean it's one of those you if you can build off of many sources the better off you'll be that's for right sure. definitely uh, my field school it was the very very traditional route because originally i thought i was going to be an academic archaeologist and i didn't really know much about the crm world and i went to it's called the athenu archaeological project in cyprus mm. and um, this is major temple complex that they've been excavating for years, and um, my college was part of the excavations. And by some major, I don't know, force of luck, I don't, I don't even know how it happened. Almost every single student, including myself, on that field school went there pretty much for free. Oh, nice! All we had to do was, if I remember correctly, was pay for our plane ticket, and then. The school school was paid for, and then we were also given a stipend, and that included all food, lodging, and the program itself, and that's impartial, uh, or is partially paid for by the AIA, the American Institute of Archaeology, and it was an amazing, absolutely amazing experience, um, kind of what you all were saying, I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I'm never going to excavate anything like that again or probably you know be able to be placed in some place like that ever again and get to run around a, an island and see these amazing cultures but um I know otherwise it would have been really expensive and I would have never been able to do it if it hadn't been for the scholarship and stipend um so I, I highly recommend looking into projects with the AIA and different scholarships like that because yeah otherwise it would have never happened for me um, and I know I would have really benefited, too, from a CRM field school as well, because uh, I kind of just learned on the fly when I started working for the government. So, so yeah. It sounds like we all had very unique experiences and really gained a lot from our different field schools. And so when we get back, we'll get into advice while at field school and how to have the best experience possible. <laughs> Hello, APN listeners. Today, we have some exciting news. The Center for Digital Archaeology, PCS, and Codify have teamed up to create an exciting new online training program built especially for you. Visit digitaltraining.site and you can sign up for free interactive office hour sessions to get help and share ideas about everything from digital photography to drone usage in archaeology and even tips and tricks on how to prepare for your next job interview. We're offering deep dive, two hour webinars and intensive single day workshops so that you can truly level up your skills. This is cutting edge training provided by experts in the fields of digital imaging, cultural resource management, business practices and more. 
Courses will fill up fast, so visit digitaltraining.site today and see what we have in store for you. That's digitaltraining.site. We look forward to learning with you. Welcome back. We're now going to get into the type of advice we would give for students now going to field school and how to have a good experience while you're there. So I would say that field schools are great, right? And oftentimes we get to go to these amazing places um, that might be once in a lifetime opportunities and that's amazing and we should all take advantage of, of that. Um, but there are unfortunately stories, um, you know, that are, that are out there, you know, the, the recent issue with his name's Brian Richmond, Brian Richardson, um, at the American Museum of Natural History, uh, it came out that he had behaved inappropriate at, uh, the Kubi for a field school in Kenya, props to the, that particular field school for disassociating themselves from him and, and asking him not to, to come back, um, and removing the, the association, with his names, but we get to go to these amazing places. And I mean, there is a drinking culture and, and archeology span and we're in paradise and we're having fun, you know, but they also can be a little bit riskier in terms of, um, personal safety, both in like, you don't necessarily know the area or the language and wandering off on your own is maybe not so smart. Um, people don't like to talk about it, but you can also have issues with the, the supervisors and the mentors and the people that you're supposed to be learning from um, who, who realize that you might be far away from any of your kind of traditional safety nets and, and people that you can talk to if, if behavior isn't appropriate. Um, and there are some people who will take advantage. Um, so, you know, be, be aware um, if, if something happens that doesn't feel right, you know, don't, don't just dismiss it and say, oh, it's a different culture and it's like a different time. Like if you don't feel comfortable with something or don't feel safe, like remove yourself from the situation. If you can like tell somebody, one of the directors, um, you know, don't just, oh, well it's, you know, things happen in field school or like at that. No, like that's not, that's not right. Um. If you get a bad feeling, trust your gut, trust your instinct. Um, I know that's not like the fun living in paradise um, side of side of field school. It's kind of the maybe less talked about side of field school, but I think it's it's important to make sure that we're all safe mm -hmm. as we're out there mm -hmm. You're right. having I mean, these wonderful experiences. You're one hundred percent right because it is easy to put yourself in a vulnerable situation if you're in a place where you may not even know the other uh, students all that well, and you may only know the professor, or maybe you may not even know the professors or the grad students. You're completely put in a new situation. Um, so I guess, yeah, just be careful, be safe, be aware. Um, no matter how much fun you're having, and you want to keep having fun, you just got to be smart about it too. And I know advice wise is remember, yes, you may be in paradise and it, it, you are supposed to have fun, but you're also there to learn. So don't go bananas, you know, make sure you're, you're taking good notes, make sure you're doing good work because at the end of the day, you are excavating something. You are technically destroying something as excavation is inherently destructive. 
you want to make sure you're taking every note at recording things to the T, making sure you're doing your part of the bargain, your part of the field school, um, that you're holding up your end to make sure it's a, it's a good project. I think we should also uh, like maybe say something directed at the directors themselves. I mean, Oh, definitely. You know, you have all of these, for the most part, people who are going to be taking these field schools are going to be in their early twenties. Uh, maybe at their oldest, their early thirties. So you've got young people who may not have a lot of life experience and may not have a lot of professional life experience who are going to be cooped up in a variety of different living spaces for, you know, what, two months, three months at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, it. it's important that the people who are directing the field schools understand that they are the authority figures and that they shouldn't be also the ones encouraging, I don't want to say bad behavior, but maybe... Too much canoodling? Yeah, <laughs> too much canoodling. And it's like, and by encouraging, I don't mean that you're like sitting there egging people on or roofing people's drinks, but like turning a blind eye to behavior that could potentially be inappropriate or turn into something that's going to create an uncomfortable situation later on down the road. I mean, this is the time where people are learning how to behave in a professional, for us, for archaeologists, archaeologists situation. And like when you're doing CRM work, it's very similar to field school in that we're all cooped up in a hotel room or in a hotel, uh, in a hotel, we take over a hotel. You know, you're, you're living with these people, you're working with these people, you're socializing with these people, you, you have no life other than the people you're working with. And learning early how to live with absolute strangers in an amicable way is a life skill for us. And as a field school director or someone in charge of these students, you should keep that in mind so that you can pass on, you know, hey, John, maybe you shouldn't go hit on Jenny right off the bat. You still got two months to live with her, and if she hates your guts now, imagine what it's going to be like, you know, eight weeks from now. Oh, and by the way, she's also your dig partner. Yeah, oh, by the way, you guys are going to be in the same hole for the next four weeks. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's more to learning to dig than just learning how to dig a hole and keep a wall straight. There's also learning not to kill your unit partner, um, <laughs> learning not to push the drunk guy out the window of your second floor hotel room, um, you know, learning what to do when you find uh, drug contraband in your room that you just checked into. It, I know it doesn't come up with everybody, but I mean, these are seriously things that should maybe be addressed. And also not encouraging the overindulgence of alcohol every night. I mean, let's not teach people to become alcoholics. It's already a problem in the field of archaeology. Maybe we could do something to curb it early. Anyway, that was me ranting. I'm sorry. No, I think that's an incredibly important point. Alcohol is a a big one. Um, And to build on top of that, just the fact that you all have to live together, I know how easy it is for people to split into groups. And I know I definitely became part of like a little group at field school. And um, some people get left out and... Um, there's a lot of gossip too. And 
how destructive gossip could be where one person starts a story of another person that isn't true and then it gets to the field director and so another person gets in trouble even though the story wasn't true and all that just it builds it builds it builds it's like this isn't middle school people exactly this isn't high school this is real world Exactly. Like, I understand people clicking up. I mean, you're going to get along with some people more than you're going to get along with others, and that's fine. Oh, totally. But, you know, be an adult. Don't take it out on the people that you don't get along with. And, you know, don't be absolute jerks to other people. They're still your coworkers. You still have to work with them. Mm-hmm. You know? But you can make really good friendships uh, yeah. through field school and through working uh, in the CRM field. I mean, you can build really strong, long-lasting friendships. But don't ignore the other people who aren't already part of your clique, you know? And don't be afraid to reach out to people yeah. either. Oh, if, if people, if there's a bunch of people who are outside of your comfort zone as far as friends and socialization, be brave. Go out with them one night, you know? It, you may not, you may just be thinking they're outside of your group and they may be just the exact kind of people you like hanging out with. They're just a little bit different than you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It, I think it's also important to like, hit home again on that this is yes it's a learning experience um yes a lot of people do it as part of college or or university and they're kind of figuring out who they are and what's appropriate behavior and what isn't but I mean a field school is a it is a business environment it is a it is a professional environment um you are being graded well you are being graded but also Archaeology is not a big world. I am constantly amazed Mm -hmm. by who I meet, who knows somebody else that I know or that I went to field school with or this, that, or the other thing, you know? And the last thing you want is to do a field school and four years later be looking for a job in archaeology and and get called in for an interview and the person sitting across from you is the person you made fun of at field school or you ignored or behaved inappropriately Mm -hmm. towards you are not getting that job and nope. getting a job in archaeology can be difficult. Don't make it harder on yourself. Don't give yourself a reputation as, as being that person because it can be difficult to get away from. And yes, we've all been young and we've all done stupid things when we were young. My field school was eight years ago, nine years ago. It was a while ago. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, and I still occasionally run across these people and I see them at conferences and, uh, you know, they've introduced me to people and we get on and it's great. And if we didn't, it would have been a problem. So, Lourdes, what what is your experience uh, in, at your field school and the advice you would give from that experience? Um, well, I was pretty lucky. Everyone got along with everyone else. Um, we were all focused on doing well and impressing the director and impressing, um, our, um, our instructors. Cause you know, it was, it was, it was very instructional based too, because we would be out in the la- out in the uh, field for about eight hours out of the day. And we would spend about two hours in the lab. And all of us were focused on something that dealt with the archeology span we was working, we were working on. Um, and it was nice cause we had time off too. And we made a point, we all, like, it was, uh, we all made a point to go out with each other during the times that we had breaks. And so we would explore the island on our, you know, with ourselves. And it was a lot of fun because we, like, right from the onset, we were talking to each other and explaining, look, this is how we are. And, um, 
you know, this is what we want to do. Let's plan out our weekdays. And then we all hung out. It was, it was just a really, really good experience. Like my, the first field school experience I had was a really good one. Um, yeah, and it, it was lucky. Um, other field schools, maybe not so much. Um, like you had mentioned before, there's just a lot of gossip. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you need to do is not be part of that gossip. I mean, so what if this person is a floozy or so what if that person just does other things with other people or, you know, who cares? Just who cares? You're there for a purpose and it's not to make fun of each other or, you know, like treat each other like a person and then things will be just fine. But, you know, people, you know, we all have our own opinions and if you don't happen to agree with that opinion, so what, you know, it's, it's their opinion, not yours and just leave Mm -hmm. it at that. So, um, excellent advice. Yeah, just one, I had this situation where this girl, she just, um, she liked to drink, which is not a problem, you know, that's what archaeologists do. (laughs) We're very good at it. Um, (laughs) But she drank every night. And that's a problem, obviously, because if you're going to be working about eight to ten hours in the field the next day, you shouldn't be drinking. And some of us got together and we really, really wanted to talk to this girl, but she'd get really angry about it. And so we had to decide what to do because one, she wasn't a bad archaeologist. You know, she did what she had to when she could. But we also depended on her. I mean, you have tools out in the desert, you know, or out in the open. You've got, you know, you've got shovels, you've got pickaxes, you've got sharp things that you could really hurt yourself with. So what do we do? Do we talk to her and then she gets really angry or do we go directly to the director and then have her like get kicked out of the program or, or what? What do we do? So we had to make a choice, and that's what we did. We basically told her, like, you need to either take your responsibility seriously or we are going to do this. Um, Unfortunately, she didn't care. She thought she was fine. Um, She fell into a hole. She didn't get hurt or anything. She just kind of fell into it. But I think the director was suspicious. So he's just like, you know, you need to pack up your stuff. Oh, that sucks. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, but it's like, you know, we gave her the chance Mm-hmm. So what do we do now? And it does suck, but you know, that's what other choice did we have? That, and that's a, that's a life lesson there. You know, you're going to encounter that in the field. You're going to encounter uh, a drunk coworker or, and, and, and a drunk coworker isn't the issue. The problem is a chronic yeah. drunk coworker. I mean, I'm sure everybody who drinks has had that day where you didn't, you, you underestimated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and you show up and you've still got that headache or you're still dehydrated or whatever have you mm-hmm. you know we've all been there <clears throat> but it's when it happens daily mm-hmm. or weekly that it becomes an issue and like you were saying you know you're on a crm job like something like emily's done and you have to pack out for 10 days just to get to the site and then you're there for however long and then you got to hike out again if you have an unreliable partner that could affect not just your partner but everybody on the crew yeah and one thing one thing that's really important is communication like everything about this entire world is just you need to communicate and we gave so many chances but that's what you should do too like give them the chance to make that decision and if they don't then that's it you have no other choice so Mm -hmm. at least that's what I do I mean I, I give them a chance and then if I need to I'll go to a higher authority and archaeology is not a world for prima donnas. And... No. 
No. no, you gotta, oh, you gotta sorry, be a team player. You have a cut on your pinky, but you know, you'll live. <laughs> oh, is that a scorpion bite? Okay, just put ice on it, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh man, yeah. what is his bedside? Maybe we, we could do a little bit less of that machismo <laughs> attitude as well. Yeah, we've had that talk too. Walk <laughs> it off, just rub some dirt in it. <laughs> well, actually, to build on that, I mean, we actually that was a kind of a big problem at ours because, again, it's kind of the now directors make sure you're taking good care of your students too um we had a, like a week straight of like 110 plus degree weather uh, yeah and we're dumb college kids we're not covering up as well as we could and drink enough water well we were passing out left and right it was just kind of like eh, put them in the shade tent it's kind of like i think like one guy he he looked across the way he was one of my dig partners looks across the way and goes, the stadio rods are dancing. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, shit. You know? Oh, <laughs> he just no. gave them a sailing packet. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, I think he needs to go to the hospital. But, yeah. I mean, he was fine. And that's the thing. Like, everything, we all ended up, we were fine. We were okay. They did get us in the shade. We did put ice packs on. But there comes a point where, like, take your students inside. Put, put them in yeah. some air conditioning <laughs> in the day. One good early. thing about the company that I worked for, sorry, uh, one good company, oh, go the one good thing about a company that I had worked for, they said that the moment, the moment that you feel like you're not sweating and it's 120 outside, just get right into the truck and put on the air conditioner. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, that's the last thing they want, especially for a business. You know, they don't want people dying out because <laughs> yeah. then, you know, that's bad for them. So, well, our field school, actually, there were two incidences, and I was actually one of them. Um, oh. Well, and it was my own damn fault. I will totally admit that. But <laughs> there were two incidences that we had where the professor, the, the people who were leading it were college professors. So they were kind of used to this, the whole, like, young, dumb, and more time, you know. Anyway, so one of us, one of the girls refused to wear sunscreen, oh and she refused to wear long sleeve shirts. And we're, we're at Angel Mounds, which is a mound site. So, of course, everything has been cleared. There's no trees on the mounds oh, at all. Oh, man. Yeah, and we had tents. Now, they, they gave us nice big shade tents, and so we had shade. That wasn't the problem. But she refused to put on either sunscreen or wear a long sleeve shirt. And, like, the second day – and we had hot weather. It was during the summer. The second day, she had blisters on her arms oh, and her shoulders. And she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. These don't hurt. I'm fine. My skin Ow. does this all the time. And everybody's like, no, no one, no one believes you. <laughs> but she, she wouldn't cover up. And so the, the field director finally had to come over and he was like, you can't go out. You can't be out in the field. You have to stay in the garage and wash artifacts. And he said, and if you don't start putting on sunscreen and start wearing uh, sleeved shirts, I will send you home. And so she, she sat in the garage and pouted and watched her artifacts until her arms healed up. I mean, she was in there for a good couple weeks. And, wow. and that, and yeah, I mean, she did start wearing sunscreen and she did start getting uh, sleeved cap sleeve shirts. But, you know, I mean, <clears throat> there's that machismo that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then just being an idiot. <laughs> uh, so my thing was, is the mount, cause I, 
I don't like the long hike. I like to get someplace and then be there. I don't like the back and forth crap. Mm-hmm. So we got all of our stuff out to Mound A. And that's where we were doing the majority of our digging. And then for lunch, they would all hike back to the center, the, the actual building, with, that was air conditioned. And that's where they would eat their lunch. I have found in the past that that in and out of air conditioning Oof. makes me sick. So makes I was me like, sick you know. Too. Oof. Yeah, so I was like, you know, I'm already out here. I'm already acclimated. I'll just stay. So it became my habit to stay out at the site for lunch, which was nice because then we didn't have to pack everything up. You know, they could just leave their stuff out because I was technically there to keep an eye on everything. Mm -hmm. Worked out great until this one day. It was just super hot. And I was like, you know, I'm hot, but I'm not that hot. I'm fine. I got shade trees. If I get too bad, I'll just hop into the hole and cool down a while because we had gotten down and it was – it was cool in the unit. And my dig partner's like, are you sure? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I've got plenty of water. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this all week. I've, I've done this before. I've done CRM work. I know when I'm hot. <laughs> and so he's like, okay. And so the whole crew leaves, and they go do their lunch thing. And, you know, you're out there, and you're by yourself, and you're just like, oh, you know, maybe I'm a little tired or I'm a little thirstier than I thought I was. You know, I'm huddling in my shade and I'm kind of drifting off because I'm hot. And they all come back from lunch. And the first thing he does is he, my dick partner comes over and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I told you I'm fine. And I stood up and I couldn't stand. And I, it made myself dizzy. And yeah, they, they reacted very well. They took me down. They put me in the shade. They had me cool off. And they're like, okay, well, from now on, you have to go back to the building with us. God damn it. <laughs> I know better than this. Yeah, but, but yeah, you, I mean, you can also have issues. I mean, um, and I'm not sure how my sister would feel about me sharing this story, but it's funny. Um, <laughs> there was a time when we were, you know, in high school and traveling cross country with my family and, um, you know, my, my mom had stopped at an antique store and wanted to to see what, you know, was in the antique store. And uh, my sister and I decided we didn't want to go in the antique store. And we sat in the car for about 15 minutes or whatever and decided it was taking too long. And my sister went into the antique store and uh, her face hit the front of a glass display cabinet <gasps> because oh, oh, no. the, the hot to the AC actually caused her to pass out. Oh, no. <clears throat> Sorry, sister, for sharing that story. Oh my uh, gosh. So, <laughs> so in essence, in field school, <laughs> take care of yourself. Take care of your, you know, fellow colleagues. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Make good decisions. <laughs> and for the love of God, don't pass out. Cover up don't and wear sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, use your common sense. That's exactly. common sense. Who cares if you don't look good? I mean, that's not the point. Exactly. Right. And just because you think you can help handle the heat, you probably should go in when it's so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Especially 120 degree weather. Oh, Gosh. Man. Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about different uh, field schools that are being offered right now and different scholarships you can apply to. Archaeology and Ale is a free monthly talk presented by Archaeology in the City from the University of Sheffield Archaeology Department. That's where the archaeology part of Archaeology and Ale comes from. As for the Ale part, 
The talk is held upstairs at the Red Deer, a great local pub on Pitt Street in Sheffield, South Yorkshire, on the last Thursday of every month. If you're in Sheffield, do come along, and don't worry, non-ale alternatives are also available. If you can't make it to Sheffield, never fear. You can listen to the Archaeology and Ale Talk every month, right here on the Archaeology Podcast Network. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're now going to talk about current offerings for field schools, scholarships, and advice on how to apply for field school. And so if you go to, uh, if you type into Google, uh, archaeological field schools, many different things will come up from the archaeology fieldwork website um, to things on the American Institute of Archaeology website. There are a lot of different kinds of offerings um, and many different types of field schools, too. Uh, just looking at the Archaeology Field School website, there's um, stuff in southwest New Mexico to Kenya uh, to things in England, uh, North Carolina, Portugal. So many options in many different places. Would someone like to jump in on some offerings they've seen or uh, scholarship opportunities? Uh, yeah, so the field school that I was doing out at Angel Mounds, um, about half of the people who were there were actually part of an NSF grant that the uh, lead of the project managed to secure. Um, and it was specifically, a lot of these NSF grants apparently are very specific and tailored. Uh, so this one was particularly aimed at um, women and minorities. So the group that came in under the NSF grant, you know, for the most part, they were female and they were almost all either Native American or African American um, in ethnicity. So that was really cool. Uh, it was a really great program for them. And almost all of them were really happy to have it. It paid for everything. It paid for their room. It paid, I think it didn't pay, didn't pay for their travel to get there. So if they were far away, they had to pay for their own gas. But once they got there, it paid for their food, uh, paid for their room, and it paid for the uh, tuition for the project. So that was not something that I could have taken advantage of um, for a variety of different reasons, but it was really great for them. So if you want to do a field school and I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there just call the school, ask them if they've got anything special going on, ask about the NSF grants, and uh, definitely get out there and find out what's to be offered, because you might get surprised. Um, I Just to say something, I do realize that maybe, because I even had trouble doing this myself, um, when I started looking into field schools and things, I noticed that there was a lot of them that was outside of my school, for instance. Um, I went to the University of Central Florida, and they offered some field schools, but not ones that I was interested in, like osteology. Um, so I didn't realize it because it just never crossed my mind that you can indeed call schools and see if they're willing to accept someone outside of their, oh, outside of their school. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because then that way, it's also a networking opportunity. You can meet people who's also interested in the same fields you are, you can meet with professors who's interested in the same fields you are. And then, you know, it's a good opportunity to meet mind, you know, the same mind like people. And if you do get lucky enough to be part of that program of whatever they're trying to do, as far as the field school is concerned, go for it. 
you know, it's your opportunity to shine, you know, and, and try and start a field or start in a field that you would really like to be part of. You know, and, and a lot of, um, you know, if you do decide to go the route of doing field school uh, with a, a school other than your school, uh, I think some people worry about get making sure that credits can get transferred. But a lot of times between accredited universities, it's pretty easy to to transfer field school credits and, um, you know, people are, I think, pretty good about trying to, to work with that, um, you know, and, and even if maybe your university doesn't want to directly accept the field school credits, sometimes you'll get professors who are willing to do, um, to take you on as essentially an independent study student for the field school that you have just completed. Um, so you still get, you know, some kind of credit for it in addition to the certificate that you get from the field school saying I completed this thing. Um, so that's, that's a possibility. Um, and oftentimes you, your schools may have smaller grants. Um, I know the school that I'm at now has like a research assistant uh, or learning assistance grant. Um, there's one that is anyone is eligible for, but there's also actually an undergraduate specific one that is, let's say $500 or $1,000 maybe that you just submit to and say, there's this thing that I want to do. And whether it's a field school that you're interested in attending or, you know, you've been invited to be a volunteer on an, on an archaeological site, but you need gas money to get to and from your, you know, the house that you're staying at over the summer or whatever it is, you know, a lot of universities and they probably aren't things that students know a lot about. Um, you know, they might not be the most well publicized things, but they're there and, and they exist. And if you go looking for them, you know, it's probably not going to defray the entire cost of your field school, but uh, it can certainly help a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Don't be a don't be afraid to look for funding where you can. Um, yeah. And some great options, just uh, looking on the internet, and um, there are a lot of scholarships specifically for women in archaeology, which is fantastic. Uh, one of them is offered through the Center for American Archaeology, and they offer a few different um, field schools in the United States. And they have two different scholarships for women. Um, one is the Women in Archaeology High School Field School Scholarship. So um, for students between 13 and 17 years old. And then the Women in Archaeology Adult Field School Scholarship. And I believe you have to be 18 and older. And so two different options. I mean, you have high school students who maybe are interested in going into archaeology. And then you have your traditional field school. And so it's wonderful that these are even out there to help support women and to mm -hmm. help pursue those careers. Now, these two specific scholarships, they are only for um, uh, field schools offered by the uh, Center for American Archaeology, but it sounds like they have great options because um, Arizona State University um, holds one there um, and have different uh, types of programs. There's a bioarchaeology and human osteology uh, field school, and then your uh, field archaeology and geophysical testing. Um, and it's at the Golden Eagle site. 
and unfortunately I don't know exactly where that is, but if you look at the website for the Center for American Archaeology, you can see the different field schools available as well as the scholarships. And one of the other scholarships um, offered, it's not only for women, but it's a, um, in honor of a, a female archaeologist. Um, and it's offered by the Archaeological Institute of America. It's the Jane C. Waldbaum Archaeological Field School Scholarship. And it's a fund that provides $1,000 to help pay for any ex the expense for any field school, I believe, offered by the AIA. Um, and it's offered to junior and senior undergraduates and first-year graduate students. So there's uh, two college-type um, scholarships just on the internet, just from searching. So if there's those two, there's got to be more. No, I, I think there are more, and I know my university has a pretty good active listserv. Um, and I, I know that that can vary from university to university and department to department. But the, the things that come across my email about field school opportunities and funding options and, you know, a lot of things that don't apply to me as a second year PhD student um, anymore. And I, you know, just kind of put them in the, my uh, trash bin spam, you know, or folder because you know, they're not particularly useful to me, but, but they're out there. Um, and it's unfortunately some of that, there is some Googling, there is some, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. So I mean, talk to your, um, talk to your advisors, talk to your professors, talk to your departmental secretaries, guys, departmental secretaries know everything. They're your best friend. Yes, um, they do. You know, the, the bulletin board that's in the hallway that you walk past every single day on your way to class and you've never stopped and looked at probably has a lot of flyers about field schools and funding opportunities and, you know, go look for them. And, you know, worst case scenario, if you can't find funding and you have to pay for it out of pocket, I mean, there's, like we've been saying, there's a variety of different ways to manage that. Um, a lot of schools will allow you to do an independent study and with the independent study, you can set up something with, like I, like I said earlier, either your state archaeologist or your forestry archaeologist. Um, save yourself a little bit of money there. Uh, you can also, if you're someone with an undergraduate degree and you're working on your advanced degree or if you've already had a field school and you've got some experience, you might try um, volunteering yourself at another field school uh, either as just labor or as a student mentor. Um, you may not get paid, you might get paid, but you probably won't, but you will get the, the field school experience and it looks good on a resume later on down the road. So there's another opportunity for you. Um, and you know, as much as people don't like taking out loans, there, there are loans, um, they can be had. And if you're diligent about it, you can get them for fairly good rates that aren't gonna break the bank later on down the road. There are options out there, so don't despair <laughs> if you're worried about it. There are definitely options. Yeah, if you're in archaeology, you have to take a field school, so you, you may as well just start planning it out now, you know? Well, on that note, are there? do you have any final thoughts about field school, about how to apply advice to students, anything of that sort? 
or if you feel like you need to jump on a soapbox. <laughs> um. <Aww. laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I think we've all done a bit of soapboxing today and in the past. <laughs> Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, field schools are important. You should take them. You should remember that they are um, once-in-a-lifetime experiences, but they're also professional development opportunities. And, you know, they have the, the potential to be such, such wonderful things. And they are kind of what you make of it. Um, so make the most of it. And it's definitely an experience, so it it's outside your scope of normality. So if you're just used to classrooms and school and going home, sleeping, and then coming back to school again, it's just an opportunity for you to be out in the fields, you know, making it, you know, as much as you can. And if, I don't know, I always, I always encourage go for the camping ones, the ones where you have to live by a, a brook or <laughs> in the forest or something, and you have to deal with what you have because it's... It's just out of your scope. It's out of a box, you know, and that way you can learn from that too and take it with you. Cause that's, once you've experienced it, that's probably nothing that you're, it's not, you're not going to forget it. So Very yeah, true. that's, that's true. I would also like to jump in and, and say really quickly, don't wait to do your field school until like the summer after your senior year, or I know a lot of people do it after, after junior year. And if that's when you discovered archaeology, you know, that's fine. But I've heard some horror stories of people really liking the theory of archaeology and getting into the field and realizing that they really hate digging. <laughs> and to have spent four years working towards a degree, because you don't actually like doing the degree that you got. Um, yeah. Probably something you want to figure out sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Field school yeah. can be an excellent litmus test. <laughs> I have taken many of a student out with me when I was um, working with the, the state forestry archaeologist and uh, I I loved it and I hated it when I would take the guys and the girls out and I'd be like alright this is CRM archaeology this is what we're going to do you're going to dig that hole as fast as you can you're going to do some soil analysis you're going to put everything back in the hole and you're going to move on and dig another one and for 10 hours <laughs> yeah it really was kind of like that it's like we got out there around eight in the morning and we drove home around six maybe seven o'clock at night and then it was an hour in the car both ways mm -hmm. so i was like this is this is crm the only difference <laughs> is, is you're going home to your apartment after this as opposed to back to your hotel room it's like it's dirty it's hot it's kind of boring sometimes it's beautiful scenery and the dirt gets interesting when it gets soggy, but this is it, guys. This is this is CRM. And I, every year that I that I was doing it, we probably lost at least one person from the field of archaeology. They'd come out and they'd dig it, and then they'd go back and they're like, "I hate this." Like, well, <laughs> at least you know you hate it now, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, I mean, definitely go out. That's why I'm saying do the practical one because. You know, you go out to Belize and you dig or you go to Greece and you, you dig. Or I had a friend who was telling me about a, a field school she did in um, Egypt where they had a cook who cooked everything for them. And they had the tents and the sand and the, the, uh, the movie atmosphere. <laughs> and then she was working with us on a, on a project out in like 
bumfuck Indiana and we're digging holes as fast as we can because this project was two weeks overdue when she joined the crew. And it was just like, this is it, man. This is, this is archeology. span If you, you're not okay with this, you know, we're finding like thumbnail flakes and we're like, Ooh, flakes. You know? <laughs> and she's like, I was pulling really? full figurines out of the sand. And I'm like, well, good for you. <laughs> I found you know. one flake in a week. <laughs> and I was excited about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, get the practical one in the way. If you're still in love with it after you've gone home sore and dirty, you know, then you know you're in it for it life, for your lifetime, you know? Mm-hmm. It also helps to have a good crew with you, too. It does. It does. That really, yeah. Yeah, a good crew can make or break the experience. And I think that, that is true. goes back to our advice. Be kind to one another. You're yeah. Sweet. I mean, at the end of the day, you're all stuck with each other for at least a month. <laughs> you lost smell. You know, you're all grumpy, but you know, you can make the most of it. It's usually by drinking, but you know, drink responsibly. <laughs> yes, yeah, drink responsibly. You only have yourself to blame. Yeah, mostly. Be smart. <laughs> well, on that note, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me this evening and thank you so much for your insight on your field school experiences and all your wonderful advice. Thanks for having us. It's always wonderful. Okay. Bye. 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 We hope you have enjoyed the show. Please be sure to subscribe and rate our show wherever you listen. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and probably whatever your favorite podcasting app is. Remember to like and share. If you have questions or comments, you can post them in the comments section for the show at the Women in Archaeology page on the Archaeology Podcasting Network site. Or email them to us at womeninarchaeologypodcast at gmail.com. This show is part of the Archaeology Podcasting Network and is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. You can reach them at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Music for this show was Retro Future by Kevin McLeod, available at Incomptep and royalty-free music. Thanks for listening! This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.